0: hello everyone welcome to the coalescence podcast um, I am uh, your host Wyatt Sutherland and my co-host is Casey Long and today hello, everyone right um, And today we're gonna start off with something a little different and, and just see where the conversation goes but uh, we initially we're going to start a new series today. Um, and it's going to be an incredible series. When we started, I'm super excited about where it's going. Um, but I, just kind of impromptu. Um, I watched Bo Burnham's Inside uh, special on Netflix, and uh, I asked Casey if he wanted to just do a just do an episode where we just discuss our feelings about. The, the special and and everything that that it was, and uh, he thought it was a good idea. So, um, I guess I'll start off with. Okay, so like, what what did you feel when you watched it? I know you've only wa- you've only watched it once, right? Yeah, I only watched
1: it once,
0: and that was earlier today while I was at work. Don't
1: tell my boss. Um, <laughs> I. <clears throat> I don't really know what I felt watching it. Um you know, during the first little bit of it before we continue, spoiler alert. This entire show is a spoiler alert warning if you plan on watching this. Uh with that being said, you know, it kinda started out a little
0: um happy go lucky, you know, a little I don't know yeah like more leaning into the comedy special yeah netflix is advertising it as
1: but then when he sung i i think the name of it was how the world works and he introduces the sock puppet talking about (laughs) neoliberalism and historical genocide yeah i was just like (laughs) whoa okay this is definitely taking a turn so you know, definitely a roller coaster of emotions
0: watching it, but
1: for the most part, I liked it.
0: Uh, are you familiar with Bo Burnham's earlier work, his earlier specials and whatnot? Not really, man. I'm going to be honest. Um, until you recommended it,
1: um, that that was it. Mm-hmm. I've never heard
0: of him before in my life. Uh Well, he that that's kind of his, his bit has always been that he's a musical comedian. So he he gets up, he does a stand up comedy and he always has a piano and and other various instruments. And he makes pretty much the of uh, the adult secular version of Silly Songs with Larry <laughs> from Veggie Tales. I don't know if you ever watched that as a kid. But oh, I did. yeah. Um, Mm -hmm. he, he, he essentially makes like the adult secular version of silly songs with Larry and his work has always been really contemplative, um, of like the nature of art, the nature of comedy, um, the nature of sort of just human interaction as time has gone on, um, in our day and age and but i feel like this special on netflix was so much more than a comedy special like i'm not even sure if if a, if comedy is what that netflix should label it i oh, feel like it's so much mm-hmm. more oh
1: absolutely there is no way this this show, this uh Yeah, I don't I don't even feel right calling it a comedy special. This this documentary, this pandemic right, documentary. Exactly. It's it's definitely more than just a quote unquote comedic show. because um, when when he starts talking about depression and mental health and he's it the bit where he's like playing a game crying in his room and all that stuff and he's singing that song language warning called shit about you know his depression and stuff, dude, like that it it almost feels like he's using this as an outlet to lament about his mental anguish and you know let's face it the pandemic it messed with us all man isolationism has never been as high before well i'm sure it has been the the bubonic plague wasn't a nice period of time (laughs) but um you know a lot of people face isolationism isolationism yeah i cannot
0: talk tonight it's (laughs) so much It's the problems and and what I want to get into is we're a writing channel. And so what we talk about is is writing. And I feel like that this special, this uh, piece of art has loads and loads and loads of narrative relevancy um, to modern art, modern literature. Or really, modern isn't even the right term, but we might get into that later. Um, but definitely, I, I feel like mental health is is up there and the themes that he was trying to address. But I think the the biggest theme, and anybody who's watched the last few episodes of this show, uh, know that I'm all about theme. Theme is is what I feel like is the key to creating great works of literature and the theme of bo burnham's inside is not it it's it's many things it and it can be read in many different ways and and the way that i read it um was that we just have gotten to a point in society where we are disassociating ourselves from reality, um, you in, in ways that cannot even be fathomed. Like technology is draining away human interaction. The corporate and economic atmosphere of our social order is is continually dehumanizing people, and and. Bow's uh, Burnham's interpretation of how to address that, um, is fascinating because he is like, he knows that he's just this one guy, like he knows that he's, he's experiencing this as an individual. He's experiencing all of the world, all of these problems. And he, he even is self-aware about the fact that he doesn't experience all of the problems. He's like the first song, uh, or, uh, healing the world with comedy. He starts off talking about how he's, he's just like this, this white guy, like he's just like this straight white guy, um, who, who doesn't even experience all of the problems. He just, he knows the problems that he knows. He feels the problems that he feels. And, and the fact that he is in a position of privilege as a, as like a straight white guy um, doesn't seem to, for him diminish his sense of I'm struggling too. And it's all so real and raw, but also at the same time, it's like this staged performance. And like, there's so many other videos, like since I watched it, I've just downloaded um, so many talks and so many like video essays and reactions and stuff like that. And like, there's so many great videos talking about the philosophies that he's talked, that he discusses. Um, talking about the performance and the filmmaking aspect, which is phenomenal. Um, so, yeah, I but I'd really like to just get into the narrative of what's going on here.
1: Mm-hmm. One thing that really stood out to me, and again, when it, when it comes down to the foundations of it, we're a little uh, I cannot talk tonight. <laughs> we are a literature based podcast mm-hmm. and one thing I want to discuss as well why since we're on this subject is how artists, especially writers utilized these outlets like Bo did as a means to express their depression, or whatever you know elements they had at the time because as writers you know we all have our our flaws and i wouldn't necessarily say mental illness is a flaw per se that's you know to a whole other level but i think as writers we see people expressing their depression and their anxiety and stuff in their works, just like Bo did with, with Bo Burnham Inside.
0: So yeah, let's let's talk about it, White. I'm on board. Um, so so, I think one of the most interesting things, like I said, his his biggest theme is just talking about uh, okay. Let me restart. I, I think this is this is my my baseline thoughts on what Bo Burnham's inside is, and that is Bo Burnham's inside is the perfect. I would say borderline perfect, if not the perfect. Post postmodern autobiographical piece of literature. Um, The way he uses all of our modern technology that he has at his disposal, the way he uses his musical talent, the way he embraces a lot of musical styles and the, the topics that he's talking about in the frame of his personal experience during lockdown um, is probably, I mean, I know this is going to be just just uh blasphemy as a writer as a as a novel writer um to say but i i don't think any other medium could have communicated the things that that beau burnham was trying to communicate he used the exact right medium the exact right style everything so much. Perfect. So perfectly. And, and um, it's like, I'm kind of caught because I know I've watched Bo Burnham stuff before and I, I knew that he disappeared for a long time. I didn't know why until inside, but um, he, I'm not sure if this is a comeback for Bo Burnham as much as it is a masterpiece. Um and, and and not to I I like I would really uh, I don't know I don't think Bo Burnham's gonna watch this show but <laughs> if he does hi you're amazing um but uh it's not to put on too much pressure but I'm not exactly sure that what he's gonna do after this I think maybe he'll probably go into more filmmaking because he's already made one film um. Called eighth grade. It was a. It's about a student going to high school, um but he outdid himself with this, and the narrative is all about feelings of disassociation, derealization of the self, and how you connect with others, how you connect with the physical, the real physical world around you and how those connections are being misplaced at best and destroyed at worst by almost everything around us and replaced those connections are being replaced with like almost like cybernetic augmentation it's like he views the world the modern world in like this cyberpunk way of you know the song um sexting where i mean at face value you can just take it as um just it's just a song about it's a goofy song about sexting where he's making fun of the idea of sexting but deeper than that like there's one lyric in the song where he says the internet was made for nights like these and that that lyric is telling because somehow somehow some way these corporations and tech corp, tech corporate not just the corporations but the tech itself has somehow been able to infiltrate and replace one of the most intimate human relationships that you can have in your life and replaced it with emojis you know what I mean and mm-hmm. and it's that level of disassociation and derealization with reality that he addresses over and over and over and over again in the show different ways talking about different, aspects of those struggles and that's an incredible incredibly um relevant theme for something that is inherently an autobiography
1: what did you think of his song bezos 2 where he's you you know it's the song where he's like really satirizing Amazon.
0: Mm-hmm. What did you think of that? I'm trying to remember Bezos 2. I, I I'm just trying to remember the the tune. I, I remember Bezos one. Um, I think both were so were so interesting because like you know this is the year, uh that. 2020 and and earlier was when the concept of billionaires even came into our came into being. (laughs) Like, think about that. Like, never, ever, ever in history before the last three, four years, if I'm remembering correctly, was the concept of a billionaire. Someone with that much wealth, uh, one individual with that much wealth was even conceptualized and then and, it, yeah go ahead oh no no go go
1: for it i was about to get off on a oh, on a whole other spiel well i'll
0: just say this one one more thing and you know i again there's a surface value to the song which is just making fun of jeff bezos you know making fun of amazon taking a riff on the company but you you can't some of these things you can't divorce from the context of, of what he's talking about. Like he's talking about Be- Jeffrey Bezos in the middle of a global pandemic. People are losing their homes. People are starving. People are getting sick and dying. People are not getting health care. And Jeff and Bezos is making more money than ever with Amazon. Like, because of the pandemic Bezos is not, not just in spite of the pandemic, but because of COVID Jeffrey Bezos is making more money than ever. And, and I think that is one of the things that Bo Burnham is, is addressing whenever he, he made, he made those songs. He's saying you, you made it like the second song. He's like, congratulations you made it you did it and then the earlier song he's like he names off a couple of other very wealthy people and and just says you know all of them are just scrubs uh compared to you because you had it you have the business model that can take advantage of any any situation um and, and and continually i mean what what other things Could, could that even be about like, not just the fact that Jeffrey Bezos made more money than ever during the pandemic because of the pandemic, but also like 2020 and 2019 were some of the most transparent years of workers getting fed up with working conditions, um, at Amazon, at Amazon plants and factories and and loading house loading warehouses and such. Um, like the whole pissing in the bottle thing. And then recently um, just to tie this into a, uh, one of our other episodes, I saw an article that was about stunt extras on the sets of Lord of the Rings getting uh, injured and Amazon failing to report them, report them properly and compensate them properly. And you know,
1: With this podcast, you know, you all know, listeners listening in to us, you awesome people, you. Um, We we try our best not to be political with this. So if you feel like we are, by all means, let us know. But I I think something has to be said since we are on this topic, Wyatt. As a publishing company unfortunately the way the business is right now we do have to rely on amazon as one of our you know outlets and that's completely fine but when it comes down to it everyone everyone deserves a safe work environment and protection from their employer in the event something happens like on the set of lord of the rings if you know, one of the actors got hurt, they should not have to worry about whether their employee, I mean, employer, is going to pay for their health care or not. You know, and that's just not a trend with Amazon. That's a trend with all of the big corporations and even some of the smaller ones. Um, I know a friend of mine who works at a local factory. He had his finger chopped off at one of the machine presses. Um, Luckily, he got it sewn back on but he was out of work for four weeks and he kept telling me casey i can't report this like i cannot go after my employer yes they'll pay for the bill and yes i don't have to worry about them quote unquote retaliating on me immediately but i'll lose my job within within five weeks of me doing this if I reported it and wanted them to pay for it, he lost his job. He ended up having to report it because sewing a finger back on is not a cheap endeavor, you know. And sure enough, four weeks later, his employer let him go. And, you know, that that's a shame that as a society... Our workforce has to be fearful of their employers. I think in a perfect world, nobody should be fearful of anyone. But we're never going to see a perfect world, is the sad thing about it. But if anything, the employer, I think now, is starting to understand, wow, these people are really starting to understand that they're worth more than seven dollars and twenty five cents an hour. You know what I mean, Wyatt? <clears throat> like, uh, yeah. When I this past weekend for my birthday, I went to Cherokee, North Carolina. You know, I like seeing, I like seeing that place. It's where some of my family's from. You know, and I just love the area. And they have a Taco Bell there that's hiring people. For I think it's thirteen dollars an hour, with a thousand dollar sign-on bonus last year. You would never have seen thousand plus dollar sign-on bonuses, man, and that mm-hmm. blows my mind.
0: So, so yeah, and, and one of the things that he Bo Burnham kind of addresses is that the there are good there are good and bad aspects to, to these relationships we have with technology for like, uh, he, he did a skit where he's talking about um, branding and he's talking about brand identity and making sure that brands support the right ideas, how it's not about uh, he, he says what, do you believe in bagel bites? You know what I mean? <laughs> uh, and it's, it's no longer really about, um, you know, what is the quality of your product? It, it's about making, making customers making and manipulating customers in a market economy to identify with your product it, it's it's classic coke versus pepsi stuff except now in our world today it's so much more nefarious because it, it's not just about like having the right jingle or using the right color scheme now it, it's about how much do you support the things that are going on in the in the 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 social zeitgeist uh does Coke support Black Lives Matter? Um, does Amazon stand for? He he says, "Will you support wheat thins against Lyme disease and, and stuff like that?" It's like the the corporations are now knowledgeable that people care about these things, and, and these corporations also know that if they can convince people that they are on their side that the corporations are on the people's side on a given issue those people will be more likely to buy said corporations product Um, and and for instance Jeff Bezos isn't going to lose money um, from 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 Bo Burnham or me or you or anyone taking a riff on his business practices Uh, because Amazon is still a service that people are going to use no matter what. And and that's kind of like the existential dread that I think uh, inside as a work dwells in, because it's like, it's these technologies that have taken us that have given society a form of progress. I won't say it's the best form of progress, but a form of progress where we have access to information and we have access to, um, connection on a total, on a, on a much wider level, we can build communities like the LGBT community. How much stronger is the LGBT community made by having the ability to, to express themselves online, to have anonymity, um, and, and to be able to, to connect with other people. Um, you know, that, that's the good thing about this technology, but, but there's there's the good things. And then in the song, Welcome to the Internet, he, he lives in that dichotomy between the things that the Internet lets us do that are docile. Mm-hmm. And then the things that the Internet allows us to do, gives us to do, maybe even pressures us to do that are weird at best and evil at worst have you ever heard of a book
1: called brave new world by aldous huxley yeah 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 so you know this entire conversation over the past like 10 minutes i i'm really getting some brave new world vibes in it not not all of it of course for those of you who have read it um You know, there's obviously some things in that book we're not going to talk about on this podcast. But one thing I do want to talk about is the dystopian society and the social hierarchy status that we're starting to see integrated into our own society these days. Amazon being one of the biggest corporations doing it right now again i really hope we don't get sued for talking about amazon like this but um amazon is one of these companies that's responsible for creating this dystopian society that we're starting to see um, another book wyatt that's really hitting my mind right now that i cannot think of the name of um it's a dying planet genre book, you know, it's I could have structured that sentence better. But anyways, it's a dying planet story, but it's very dystopian based as well, in the sense that it's this technocracy, you know, this world ran by technology and technological authoritarianism and all this other you know crazy stuff that we're starting to see come out right now um and these corporations in this story ran the world man there were no governments like we see today nothing like that it was strictly corporation based and they used technology to enforce their authoritarian idealism on the population. And because of the amount of technology they were using and the fact that they were harvesting all these resources, the planet was dying. And of course, in the story, the elite has a backup plan. They have another planet that they can go to and harvest and all this other stuff. While the citizens are on this dying planet, Wyatt, but they don't realize that it's dying. The corporations are letting them know, like, our resources are fine our water's clean the reason the sky is blood red is because of stratosphere changes due to this new life extending gas in the atmosphere you know just stuff like that and the citizens are buying it Wyatt. it it and that's the type of society we're starting to go into um just the other day, I had a conversation with a friend of mine. He had um an Amazon Echo device. I'm not going to say the name of her because I have one in my room too. But he did not know that she listened to him. And, you know, we had this conversation and he, honest to God, Wyatt, did not believe that he was being listened to by his electronic devices. He believed that the filter bubble, which I'll get into that later, was just a myth created by, you know, right wing or left wing extremists, whatever, to scare the population. And I'm like, no, like everything you're seeing, well, everything we're talking about here is real. And I don't know, man.
0: Well, yeah. And and again, like uh, it's like Bo talks about that. And and Welcome to the Internet, um, he has a segment where he completely changes the song. It's musically profound, like just unbearable, like just an incredibly um, complex way that he uses chord progressions in the song um but he switches the the style for a second and he's just talking about it and he goes uh your time is now your insides out oh how you grew i i can't exactly remember that last line might be different but he's talking. he says, you're inside out. Your time is now. It's, it's all about, he, he's saying, it's all about the present with the internet. It's all about the present. It's all about what's happening now. And, and everything like, even without the echo devices, right? Like your Google searches are recorded and, and tailored to you. So when you Google something else, like for instance, I'm playing mass effect again, cause I'm crazy like that. Um, and I'm playing Mass Effect again and I go to search something and then later I'll search something different and it's like these alien planet names and I'll search one planet name, type in Mass Effect and it come, I find it, I look up whatever I need to and then go away. And then I go to search something else, a completely different planet name, just gibberish as far as the algorithm is concerned but it's able to recognize that i'm talking about a mass effect thing because i've been searching mass effect things so even without your devices quote unquote listening to you using your camera or your speaker to listen to you they're out these algorithms they know how to tailor your internet experience to you and they know how to they're learning how to give you new things that maybe you would have never looked at, but the algorithm says this is connected to this, this, and this, and this, and you like all of those things, so here. And you don't need speakers or cameras to do that. All you need is people's search history, and they have that. They're a private company, company, and Google is a private company, and it has the right to all of the information that you give it. And we give it a lot and absolutely. And one of the things that struck me and and I'm a millennial, but I was born in 1996 and like, I pretty much grew up with the internet, even though it was really old. Like I remember dial up, but it was kind of getting phased out by the time that I was, uh, in upper elementary school. Um, you know, I remember my space. And and one of the things that, that the most interesting aspects of the special is that he interrogates the relationship, um, between performance and authenticity. And, and, you know, a lot of people say that the zoomers are the most affected by this. And maybe that's true, but on it as growing up, me growing up and, and going through middle school, I felt like, my life was a performance. Like I, I got that distinct feeling. Um, even though all I had was my space and early Facebook at the time, I still felt like I needed to perform something. And maybe it was just because I was already doing a lot of performance performing anyways um, in my, in my day to day life, interacting with people, um, trying to be something that I wasn't, um, not being authentic with myself. A lot of those things were going on, but the technological impact I felt as well from even as early as MySpace and, and the beginning of Facebook. Um, and it's like, you know, it, it's so ironic though, because we're doing a podcast and the audience, we, we might, I feel completely genuine and authentic on this podcast. I don't know if you feel that way as well. But oh, of course, the audience the audience is always going to question. It might be actually healthy to continue doing that, but is always going to question are these people being real or is this just a performance to get me to watch? And so many content creators on the internet are having depression, anxiety, panic attacks, stuff like that, um, because of that feeling of having to perform all the time, because of the atmosphere, the social atmosphere that the internet has created.
1: I know there are a lot of artists Especially, especially with the pandemic going on and the way society's changing, it's hard, man. It is. Even as writers, you know, we have to. You know, we we perform. As well, but through our through our literature that we create, and even that's starting to change to base themselves off of the societal norm. Now, I'm not going to do that. Um, Of course, I'm not going to do anything that's going to get me canceled, you know. Um, But just for an example, you and I'll say this over and over again, your top two genres, Wyatt, fantasy and young adult, those are going to be your top two genres right now. And there's a lot of authors that feel like if they are to be successful, those are the genres they have to write or quote unquote perform in. You, you understand what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, yeah. Yeah. And I'm not going to do that. My genre is fantasy. Yeah. But my other genre is cosmic horror a very niche genre but it's something that i'm passionate about and i'm not gonna let societal norms tell me that if i want to be successful that's the genre you know i have to write in no uh, uh-uh. lovecraft just using him as an example he's one of my favorite authors you all know that though um lovecraft didn't get famous until after he was dead you know like his books did not become cult classics until after his death and that is a shame because he was a brilliant author but because of the society he lived in at the time those books were very niche you know yeah he had friends like Robert E. Howard who made it big but even then Robert E. Howard wrote fantasy He wrote comics about the great barbarian Conan. Lovecraft talked about existential dread and the horror of the mundane. Mm -hmm. So I don't know, man, it's... I'll say this to all of you out there listening. If you're a writer and you want to be successful, do not listen to societal trends. You write what you want to write. You write what your heart is telling you to, and I promise, as long as you follow your heart, you will always be satisfied with what you do. I promise you. So
0: yeah, and uh, I we're going kind of. I can feel that we're going kind of long, um, but we'll kind of start to wrap up. Here. Oh, I'm here all night, Wyatt. <laughs> <laughs> we'll start. Well, we'll we'll start to wrap up here uh, with a couple of more points, and, and one of them, one of them is that I think probably what was your favorite song <laughs> out of all of them?
1: Honestly, man probably all time low where he sings about his mental health yeah mm. yeah that's that's my favorite one.
0: yeah and it's so short but it's so accurate yep yeah I, I um my my girlfriend struggles with with anxiety but uh i i don't i have different struggles um so i've never really felt that uh that panic attack feeling Um, but from, from everything that I've heard, uh, all of the people commenting on, on this say that it was very accurate to the feeling of, of having a panic attack. Um, I think me personally, my favorite one was, um, that, that funny feeling really Spoke to me. I don't know uh, if you remember which one that is. It's the one he did. It's the only one he did with the guitar, I think. Um. Oh, man. It's on the tip of my tongue. Yeah. I hate yeah. that. Uh, Yeah, it's mm. like, there it is again, that funny feeling. And I was just like, oh, my God. Like, it... it you know he's kind of it's a double entendre because he's saying that funny feeling like we're watching a comedy special it's funny there's some funny things happening whatever um but, oh that's
1: funny feeling i think that's the name of the song
0: yeah is it the one where he like breaks down at the end of it i can't remember if he breaks it i think that might have been a different one um but no it it's it's that funny feeling is such a simple premise because all he really does is kind of list off events and, and aspects of daily living in the modern world. um. But the, fa- the, the chorus of, of that funny feeling being such a double entendre for its comedy, but it's also, you know, for me, this, the image that was conjured up whenever I heard that song was, a lot of lonely days when I'm having a depressive episode, when I really do just sit paralyzed on the couch or the chair or whatever, and just scroll. And, and it really is that, that when he said, there it is, there it is that funny feeling. It, it reminded me of every time that I've been having a depressive episode. And I, I I have that sudden realization that I'm having a depressive episode. Like I'm, I'm sitting here on my phone, I can't think straight. I'm sad for no reason, and just this crushing weight, just keeping me from enjoying anything in life. And I'll think to myself, "There it is again." And that song communicated that to me made it made me in a parasocial way feel seen like there it is that funny feeling and then he has the the reprisal where he's saying um hey what can you say we were overdue um i i felt it because that's like that existential dread again of when I'm having a depressive episode and I'm scrolling and I'm seeing news and I'm seeing all of these things that just kind of increase the potency of the depressive episode all I can think is like there's nothing to say like what are we going to do there's nothing we can't do anything and that, that's, I'm not saying that that's a reality. I'm not saying we really can't do anything, but that's what my depression tells me. And then in the later song, uh, All Eyes on Me, probably one of my favorite, one of my favorite lyrical progressions in the song is he says, you say the ocean's rising like I give a shit. Um, and then he goes on and says, you say the world is ending honey it already did and i've heard different takes on that but for me from my perspective when he says it already you say the world is ending but it already did first off i i take that in two different ways um one when i'm feeling depressed it just feels like the world's over it feels like it's done And, um, but then there's another way that I can take it. And and that is in the more, in the broader context of the special as a whole, he says, you say the world is ending, but it already did. I think one way that I take it is that the world that we knew before technology, the world that we knew before corporations, the world that we knew before the internet is over. It, it's, we can't, there's no going back. Like like any, any values, any uh, political systems, anything that was based on a world before these aspects of modern life is over. It's gone, it's done, we can't go back. It's already ended. And that's kind of how I took that line. But that funny feeling just really stuck with me.
1: I know what you mean, Wyatt. Well, for those of you listening in, um, we obviously recommend you watch Bo Burnham's special on Netflix. Um, It's... It's definitely a roller coaster of emotions. You know, you go in there expecting it to be this comedy show, and it is so much more. Um, and just because of the theme, uh, well, the underlying themes of Bo Burnham's Inside, and you know, themes of mental health and depression and all that. Um, we. I think, Wyatt, it would be good for us to, uh, you know, talk about one one thing here. If you or anyone's needing help, if the pandemic's like, you know, really got you down or you're just in a place and you feel like you can't find help, um, contact the local suicide prevention crisis center near you. The national number is 1-800-273-8255. Um, you know, there's nothing wrong with asking for help. Absolutely And not. there's nothing wrong f- with using your work, like Bo Burnham did, as an outlet for it. Um, anyone who judges you for that... They pardon don't my know French, what it's like. but, Yeah, <laughs> they, they do not know what it's like at all. So, you keep... You keep using what you can use to help you. Unless it's drugs. Don't don't do that. Um or don't do anything illegal, actually. But <laughs> other than that, um, uh, do anything to help with your mental health. It is important. Um as riders, riders are one of the most um Oh god, what's the word look for? Anyways, without using all the fancy words, writers are very prone to depression. Most artists are. Painters. Musicians. But especially writers. Look at Ernest Hemingway. He committed suicide in 1961. I think his great, not his great, but his granddaughter committed suicide as well. And... You know, you, you always hear stories about that in the writing community, but also in the art community as, you know, a general statement. So, anyways, without rambling on too much longer, Wyatt, I think this is a good stomping point. What do you say? I think so, too. All right. Now, on our next episode, we are currently waiting to hear back on a special guest. Um for our genre series. So until we hear back from them, we're going to, you know, use this as an opportunity to explore some other elements of our podcast that we're wanting to incorporate. So Wyatt, how about we do that world building show next episode? I think it sounds fun. Perfect. All right, everyone. Well, thank you for tuning in again. If you need help, seek it there's nothing wrong with that um if you're a writer keep on writing if you're a reader keep on reading follow us on twitter we'll be posting up our discord here soon and uh yeah so thank you all you take it easy and we'll see you next time
0: bye Bye -bye.
1: like share and subscribe